Hallelujah. You can be seated. Greetings in Jesus' name and praise God for revival and restoration apostolic church. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for what God has done, for what he's doing, for what he's going to do. I'm thankful for my church. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be a, a part of such an exciting, united, and uh, I tell you, if you, can't, if you can't catch the fire that's here, your wood's wet, I tell you. And uh, I'm thankful for all the, thankful for the relationships I have at this church. I, I, I don't think that's something that we can, uh, we could ever take lightly, is, um, is just the kinship, the bond that we have with one another, just the fact that we are born into this kingdom, kingdom together. Even if we're all not bosom buddies with each other, that's fine. But just uh, being a part together of something so wonderful and special, I think is a very awesome, <clears throat> powerful thing. Uh, you'll forgive me if my voice is a little bit raspy today. Our, our household is getting over some things, and um, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for, for God's healing power. Um, with the help of the Lord, we will take a, a teaching approach to what we're going to be talking about today. And when Pastor, uh, I had had a thought before Pastor came, came to me, and I, um, you know, when you talk about uh, forgiveness, it's been talked about here uh, quite a number of times in the past, I, I guess, couple years, uh, even, even several months. And if I thought the reason that we would talk about forgiveness uh, Forgiveness is because there were there was a, we had a church full of people with a bunch of bad attitudes and a bunch of malice toward each other. I wouldn't talk about it. I would let Pastor take that and let him do that. But I think forgiveness, a lot of times, is not about uh, having a, a, a bad attitude, having ill will toward other people. Forgiveness, more than anything, I believe, is about being hurt. And, and about recovering from being hurt. So uh, if you would turn to me, <clears throat> turn with me to uh, Philippians uh, 4 and uh, 32, there are so many scriptures on forgiveness that we could uh, read about. But uh, Ephesians 4:32 <clears throat> says, "And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now that is quite a charge. Forgive other people the way that forgot that God forgives us. God forgives us always and he forgives us instantly. That is a hard standard to live up to. How many is anybody here always lived up to that standard in every instance? <laughs> no, none of us none of us have. And uh, so with the help of the Lord today I want to talk about forgiveness and healing. Pastor, would you say a prayer over this lesson today? Hallelujah. And everyone said amen. <clears throat> uh, miracle versus process. Now, this may sound a little bit off topic, what I, what I, what I first want to uh, mention, but it'll become clear how it's uh, tied together with this topic as we go along. Uh, I, I thank God for miracles. Brother Jake talked about this Wednesday. We should never miss out on a miracle. If we are having a situation, if we have an ailment, if we have... Um, a, a mental uh, situation that is occurring where we need, where we want something to change, where something needs to happen. I believe it is always right 
to first ask God for a miracle. God, I need you to change this. I need you to heal me. But we don't always get that. You know, uh, I, I believe it is so true that God can do so much for us in a very short amount of time. He can miraculously change our mind in a very short space of time uh, more than, say, counseling or therapy can do in a period of five months. Uh, however, God does not always choose for us to have a miraculous change, and deliberately so. Sometimes God instead wants us to go through a process, and that is on purpose. Now, I don't believe that we can uh, place more value on a miracle or process if the process is what God chooses. I'm sure pastors had people in his office before and they say, I need to work, I need to work this out. I need, I, need to, I need to just move along. I need things to keep moving along. And pastors thinking, no, what you need is get in the altar and get yourself a miracle. That's what you need. But there are other times when someone is saying, I need God to change me right now. I need this to be fixed right now. And a lot of times, pastor will know, know what, what you really need. And he may not always just be able to say this, but he knows in the spirit that what we need is a process. And both are equally valuable. Now, some trials can have both. My uh, former pastor, many years ago, he, he was... Um, hurt by someone close to him, someone he had worked with. And whenever I see um, a, a pastor, he's now the bishop there, whenever I see a pastor, I know our, our pastor has been hurt before. You'd, you'd never know it because that's not something he just shares. But whenever I see our uh, the man of God in my life hurt, it's, it's extremely difficult for me to, to know about that. And uh, our uh, my pastor at the time suffered a great, great hurt at the hands of someone that he trusted and it, uh, it nearly killed him. It was, it was very difficult, and there was great loss involved with that. And along the way, he had to go through a process of healing. But there was a point that he came to when he was in his office, and he said, God, I cannot go any further unless you do something to my mind. I cannot function with this pain as it is any longer. And in that moment, God miraculously came down and moved on him and took something away that he had had to bear for, for a, a, a very long time. And so God can do both. Knowing, <clears throat> knowing which one we need can be difficult. Maybe you've heard the old, uh, I guess you could call it a parable, about a man who was um, the, the, the dam nearby broke and a flood was coming to the town and a man was sitting on his front front porch and someone drove by and said, you need to get in the car with me right now. The floodwaters are coming. And he said, I'm believing the Lord to save me. Well, the floodwaters began to came and got up to his waist. And so it was flooded enough so that a boat came by. And the man in the boat said, you need to get in this boat because the floodwaters are going to be much worse. And the man said, no, I'm believing the Lord to save me. Well, the floodwaters rose, and the man had to get on top of his house, and a helicopter came by, lowered a ladder, and said, you need to climb up, and we need to save you. He said, no, I'm believing the Lord to save me. Well, the floodwaters came, and the man perished. And in heaven, he said, Lord, why did you not save me from this flood? And the Lord said, I sent you a car, a boat, and a helicopter, and you rejected every single one of them. So sometimes it is hard to know what God's will is in our life. The Apostle Paul, when he had an ailment, 
he sought the Lord three times. Now, this was his standard. He, uh, uh, I don't know if that was three days straight in a row. I don't know if he sought the Lord three times over a period of weeks, perhaps a month. I don't know exactly what his personal process is, but I know that he came to a point where the Lord spoke to his heart and said, you're not going to get a miracle, you're going to get grace. And again, I believe that both are equally valuable and we should not miss out on either one. And we should also never feel guilty or disappointed for not receiving a miracle, especially guilt. Now, if we, some people go through a trial, they go through a, uh, they go through a time, and they're hoping for a miracle through the entire thing, and they don't get that, but then, then when they look back, they say, you know what, a miracle was not what I needed. That was what I, uh, what I needed was this process that, that took place, but we should never, ever feel a sense of guilt because perhaps we think we don't have enough faith, or we didn't pray hard enough, or maybe we didn't fast enough for the miracle that we had. Uh, I don't believe that's God's will for us to ever feel guilty or continue disappointment over that. And um, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to hurt, we need to understand that the grief process is almost always involved in that. You've probably heard the term five stages of grief. Now, these five stages, you don't go from one to the next to the next to the next and finally get to the last, which is acceptance, and then you're done. The five stages, they're anger, depression or sadness, bargaining, denial, and then finally acceptance. We may go from one to the other and back to another one and then think we're right at acceptance. I think I'm through. No, then something happens. We hear a name or something happens. Somebody mentions something and we just seem to fall right back down into that grieving process. But eventually, we will get to acceptance if we follow this grieving process in, a, in, a, in the proper way. God in His infinite wisdom made grief so that the pain we feel over loss is not constant. In fact, sometimes when we suffer great loss, there are times when we feel okay. I feel fine. After my father's funeral, when we came back to the church to have uh, dinner, there were times of great levity, and we were joking and we were having a good time. That doesn't mean the grief was gone, and we still had to go uh, through that. But when we are hurt, we need to understand that we suffer great loss. If there is infidelity uh, in a marriage, there is a loss of trust. Uh, you may have heard someone say if, if that happened, they may say it, it almost felt like they had died. It, it almost felt like they were, they were just gone. And that's very true because there has been a great loss in that or uh, uh, relationships that become hurtful, or perhaps you've heard the term toxic. That's not a term that I use very much myself because it's a very generalized kind of term. But a relationship, a friendship becomes bad, and the two people are no longer friends as they once were because perhaps one of them has changed, perhaps one of them has gone through a situation that has, that has altered their perception of, of how life is, and they just cannot be friends as they once were. And so they feel a great pain. They feel hurt by this friend. Well, we are going through a loss when that happens or childhood abuse. Uh, that is a very difficult thing to forgive someone for. If we have been hurt uh, as a child, that's something that I've, I've experienced myself. And that is a loss. Uh, many forms of childhood abuse uh, are a loss of innocence. And I, I believe that can be the greatest loss of all because innocence 
is the purest form of godliness that we have on, on this earth. And so they lose innocence. They lose a part of their childhood. Well, one of those, again, one of those uh, stages of grief is anger. We have a blessing from the Bible to be angry. Ephesians 4.26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, I, I do not believe that if it is five minutes until sunset and we get angry, the sun sets and we're still angry, we have broken God's word. I do not believe that that would be the case in that. Anger, as all emotions, are temporary. Anger is not uh, uh, constant from day to day. We do not go throughout an entire day feeling angry. I love playing video games, but when I start getting really mad because I can't beat this level, it's time to put the controller down and, and let that anger pass, okay? Uh, it, is not, uh, it is not long term. And so the Bible says that we can be angry as long as we sin not. We don't get it. There's a difference between anger and malice, between anger and uh, a bad attitude. So when it says, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath, allow the anger to process, allow it to move on. Uh, one thing that I teach uh, a lot of times in, in counseling is mindfulness. And mindfulness is very helpful. Even the Bible mentions mindfulness uh, uh, meditating on the Word of God. That's when we just sit, we, we do nothing, we, we, we focus on, uh, uh, on one particular thing, whether it's the Word of God or perhaps feelings that are arising. We acknowledge, I am having this feeling, okay, and we let it process. Now, sometimes when someone is grieving, they, you might hear them say, I just, I just don't want to think about it right now. We can put it off for a while. We can stop the grieving process for a while, but if we do it too much, then, then uh, difficult emotional things can, uh, can happen. So anger versus bitterness. There is a difference between anger and uh, bitterness. Uh, bitterness is, uh, you may have heard the quote, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. And uh, Bitterness is holding on to our anger so that we desire something bad to happen to the other person. That is a desire. That is not an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Bitterness is a desire. Hebrews 12, uh, 15 says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace <clears throat> of God, lest any root... And that's what bitterness does. It, it, it buries root. It, it sprouts roots lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness will defile the heart. It will ruin us. It will take us to a place that we don't want to go. Grief, it cannot, for one thing, be medicated. And a lot of times when people are grieving, uh, they tend to self-medicate. They often turn to drugs or to alcohol and now that is not the only way to self-medicate when it comes to grief. Sometimes people who have lost a spouse, either in death or divorce, a lot of times they immediately want to turn to a new relationship. And they do that to have a replacement. Now, I know some people who have gotten married again and really, you know, less than a year after they lost a spouse, and that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes 
you know, they, they, they're grieving and a new relationship just kind of seems to begin. I've seen people who are both grieving the loss of the person who passed and they are actually able to grieve together. But replacing, even if it's losing a pet and immediately going out and getting another pet to replace that, that's a type of self-medicating because we are trying to fill that void instead of facing the grief that we are going through. So it cannot be medicated. Sometimes doctors may prescribe a medication when someone is going through grief and that there may be an additional diagnosis to be made. I understand that, but Xanax cannot help us grieve. Okay, I'm not anti-Xanax or anything like that. Uh, antidepressants cannot help us grieve. It must be faced and embraced. It cannot also, grief cannot be rushed. It takes time. Probably heard the phrase, time heals all wounds. Well, that's, that's true in a way. Grief can heal all wounds, but grief takes time. But it only heals if we embrace that grieving process. And grief also cannot be avoided. If we try to shut down the grief, even some people have, uh, have lost things in a house fire and, and a lot of times they want to just say, well, that's just stuff and they just kind of block it out of their mind. It doesn't matter, it's stuff. That's true. They are just things. But those things represent the time that we spent working for those things. And we have not only lost those things, but we have lost the time spent in working for those things. It is okay to be upset over anything that we lose, even disappointment. We actually process disappointment in the same way that we process grief. Uh, you may have seen, seen this video, and it's absolutely awful. These parents thought it would be funny to give their kids a PlayStation 5 box, and they were so excited, and they opened up the box, and there was nothing inside, or there was something else inside. I thought, you rotten parents, you, you need classes. That is just awful. Well, the kids actually had to process the loss of a PlayStation 5. And when we don't get the job that we hope for, we have to process the loss of that job even if we never had it. So uh, disappointment works the same way, and it cannot be avoided. It must be embraced. When the day that my father died, we were living in Louisiana, and uh, Pastor uh, Pastor Terry Shock uh, came to our house, and they were he and Brother Mangan came. It was the day after Thanksgiving. They were they were so kind, and uh, and Brother Shock. One of the things that he emphasized because I had never had a loss like that in my life. I had never known that kind of pain, and it was sudden. And one thing he said right away is that you know embrace this process, embrace the grieving process. And when he prayed with us, that's something he also mentioned in prayer. And there were times when I said, I, I can't today. I, I just can't today. And I delayed the feelings that I felt, whether it was anger. One of the things I dealt with was, was anger. He passed 18 days before my second child was born. And that was a great source of anger. Even now, 11 years later, if I think about that long enough, I will get mad all over about that, even though the grieving process has finished. So it must be embraced. So when you are hurt by someone, when we suffer pain at the hands of someone else, we must allow these feelings to occur, even if, even if someone did not mean to hurt us. In all the years that I had attended 
Faith Tabernacle, you, I know you hear me reference that a lot, but, you know, I spent 32 years there. So uh, there was one situation that Bishop Patterson, he was actually pastor at the time, where he handled involving me where I, I didn't like the way he handled it. And I felt a sense of an embarrassment. He didn't do anything wrong, okay? Uh, I felt like he could have done things differently, that, um, that it, it could have been less, uh, you know, people could have known less, less about it perhaps. But he felt like this was the way to approach this situation. Now, he did that in order to protect me. I knew, I knew that he had uh, my best interest at heart. And even when I remember leaving that day with with Sister Chris, my wife, and I remember crying because I just didn't like the way that it went. And I and I called my uh, my stepmother at the time, and and she said, Shannon, you keep your heart right with God and with the man of God. She said, you can take this and you can just get bitter about it, or you can do right by it. Now I was still hurting, but in a sense. In a very real sense, I had to forgive my pastor at the time. Even though he had done nothing wrong, his decision, I can argue wasn't the right, right or best way, but it was good that he handled it in a way that was meant to protect me. And there was no fallout from it or anything like that. But even if, it, even if he had done it wrong, I would still need to forgive him. But, but I had to forgive him in a sense in that... I didn't hold him accountable to the pain that I felt came from how he handled the situation. Now, if we're honest, sometimes we may even feel that way about God. When my father passed, one thing that I said was, God, I don't blame you, but somebody you put in charge, they must have messed up. Somebody messed up. And I, the anger that I felt, and it was intense, and it was great, was even directed towards God. And I had to be honest about that. And this is what the Lord said to me. Surely as I'm standing here, He spoke to me over this. He told me, that's okay as long as you are faithful. Our emotions a lot of times are just going to do what they're going to do. They're going to be what they are. And, uh, you know, a lot of, and, and sometimes we want to attach our emotions to a situation or something that is reality-based. That's why it's difficult. Some people who have a mental illness of some sort, if they're feeling depressed for no reason, a lot of times they want to attach it to something. Why am I feeling depressed? Well, it must be because, you know, this is happening. Or if they, you know, if they have a bipolar moment when they're just racing high and their mind is way out there, that's when they get these thoughts of grandeur. You know, I'm going to do something great. I'm, I'm going to do something creative. I'm going to... I'm going to talk to the president. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and we're going to figure these things out. And so the, the emotion that they're feeling, they're trying to attach it to something that feels reality-based. And so, but sometimes our emotions are just our emotions, and they're going to do what they do. Um, I read um, an article. I enjoy uh, psychological, psychiatric articles. That's just me. I'm weird. I know and uh, they can be very boring, even if the topic is, uh, is interesting. And when I read the title of this, at first I disagreed with it, and then I thought, no, that's, that's actually true. The title of this article, and even in secular people that take a humanistic approach, I think there can be things to, to be gained and knowledge to be learned, even if it's through disagreeing with them. The title of the article was, Re- Forgiveness 
is not necessary for recovery. And at first I thought, no, that's, that's not true. But then I thought, no, actually it is true because recovery is not healing. Recovery is continuing to live with this thing that is bothering us, not getting, not healing past it and just learning how to function again. You've heard people say, I just had to learn to live with the pain. I just had to learn, learn to live with this and it's just always there. Church, that is not God's will for us. That doesn't mean we'll never hurt again, but we do not have to live forever with whatever pain, whatever kind of loss it is. There is a great difference between healing and recovery, and God wants His people not just to recover, but He wants healing for us. Now, He, he gives us healing through the Spirit, and He has also built inside of us, in our mind, the ability to heal. So what is forgiveness? I think we also need to understand what forgiveness is not. Emotions is not unforgiveness. Continuing to have hurt and pain does not mean you cannot or have not forgiven somebody. Taking part in God's vengeance, emotionally or otherwise, that is not forgiveness. Uh, Brother Jake mentioned this a while back, that if we say, well, I forgive you, but God's going to get you. Well, if they get what they deserve, so to speak, or if we see something bad happen to them, if that is God chastising them and we say, aha, then we have taken part in something that God said belongs to Him and to Him only. That is not for us. We cannot touch it. We cannot be involved in it in any way. Forgiveness, for one thing, is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. We can choose in the middle of our pain to forgive someone. I think that decision is most difficult when it comes to someone hurting the people that we love, especially our children. An old saying, a man will whoop you over his wife, but he'll kill you over his kids. I think the hardest pain and hurt to deal with is when someone hurts our children. My dad was one. If someone said, looked at us crossways, man, he did, you got a problem? You know, he, if you want to see him bow up, you know, you, you do something to his kids. And I can't say that he was always right to do that, you know. But, you know, it, it, when someone hurts our children, because that's part of that's instinctive. And we're meant to protect our children and those that we love or if we have pets. If someone hurts our pet, for one thing, pets, animals are innocent. No matter what they do, they are never at fault for anything that we do. If someone gets, you know, uh, you know bit by a wolf, that's not the wolf's fault. You should, shouldn't have been in the woods, you know, well, you know like that. That's, that's, you know, animals are innocent. So someone hurts someone or this thing that we love, that can be especially difficult to forgive them, but it is a choice. Forgiveness is simply no longer holding someone accountable for wrongdoing. And we can even end the relationship as it was and still forgive. I mentioned relationships that become toxic. Uh, I, I, I know someone, and I, I won't say who, but they... The, the parents that they grew up, the, on occasion the parent was too harsh physically, but really long term that wasn't the problem. The parent was psychologically abusive, psychologically manipulating. The, the, both parents actually, the, the father was one way, the mother was very uh, narcissistic, 
And, you know, even after growing up, this person had to forgive them. Problem was, is that neither parent would acknowledge all the wrong that they had done over all those years. Now, that is difficult right there. That is a difficult thing to deal with when you know, you can, you can, you can prove to them, look, this is what you did, this is what I'm dealing with, and the person may still not, no, no, they may even take pride in the way that, that they raised you, and we may never get the satisfaction or the absolution from them saying, you know what, I, I did wrong all those years, and, and, and I'm sorry. We may never get that, but we still can find absolution in our heart. We still can gain resolution in our heart from forgiving that person or forgiving the person in, in, in a friendship that has, that has turned, that has gone bad. But that does not mean that we need to continue in a close relationship with them. I've seen people who have uh, mostly cut ties with one parent. And to be honest, now, if someone ever does that, you do that with counsel, you do that with prayer, don't just, just, just uh, write off a parent or anything like that. However, maintaining a relationship with this parent meant continued pain. This, uh, this one parent, there was, a, there was a period of about five years where they didn't talk at all. And this person thought, well, I'll, I'll give my dad one more chance. And so they went to a, to a family event, and when the parent saw the person, they looked them up and down, and instead of saying, I'm so glad you're, you, you're, you're, you know, you're reaching out to me, first thing they said was a snide comment about their weight, a really underhanded thing. So it was apparent right then that this parent is still going to be manipulative and psychologically abusive, and other things happen. So it was very obvious that this relationship could not be maintained. And that happens in friendships also. We come to a point where it, it is sad, but it is true, where we cannot maintain this friendship and still have peace of mind. Having peace with someone doesn't necessarily mean having a relationship with someone because sometimes continuing a relationship means an absence of peace because there are some people who just will not change. And that is very difficult to deal with, but if we choose to forgive them and no longer hold them accountable to that wrongdoing, then we will be able to heal as we should. We will be able to grieve the loss of the relationship that never was, that could have been. We may be unforgiving because of greater pain, and forgiveness may even feel like further failure when we forgive someone who hurts our loved ones. That's why it's extremely difficult to forgive someone who hurts our children or forgive someone who's hurt us because, again, when it comes to our children, we, we feel like if we forgive someone who has done wrong, I mean, even if it goes into a legal sense, done wrong by our children, we may feel like if we forgive that person, we are failing our children because we are just letting it go. And that's not always the case. Now, I know sometimes the legal process has to be pursued. If, uh, for example, someone was, God forbid, selling drugs uh, in the church on church grounds, Pastor can forgive them. I imagine he will have to deal with some emotions, but he can forgive them. That doesn't mean he's not going to prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. I'm not saying what he would or would not do, but you, you take my meaning. Sometimes we have to go through a process, and someone may have to testify in court over something that was done 
but we can still forgive that person. We can let the law take over. But the anger that we feel is never an excuse for unforgiveness or for bad decisions. It is extremely difficult when someone has hurt us and someone said, they're out doing it again, where we want to make a phone call or we want to go find somebody or we want to post about it or we want to do whatever it is to to obtain a, a sense of retribution for this. Unforgiveness or anger is never, ever an excuse for unforgiveness. Now, some of us may be wondering, have I forgiven someone? Ever felt that before? I'm still hurting. How can I forgive them? I don't feel like I have forgiven them. I don't know if I have forgiven them. Well, I believe there is not the only way, but there is one good way to know whether or not we have forgiven someone. If someone, we just kind of have to imagine this in our mind, if someone were to get what they deserve, so to speak, if someone were to go to jail, or if someone's situation were to fall apart, if, if uh, a spouse who, whose, whose spouse left them for someone else, and if that other relationship doesn't work out, if we were to feel a sense of satisfaction for someone getting what they deserve, that does not necessarily mean that we have not forgiven them. However, if we can truly say, I might feel a sense of satisfaction from, or gratification for that, a sense of justice in, in, in my heart. But if we can say, I would resist that feeling, I would do my best to say, God, this is what I'm feeling, but I need you to help me to push that feeling aside. And God will do that. Then yes, you have forgiven that person. Perhaps you've heard someone say, when I forgave them, when I said, I forgive you, I just felt this weight lifted off my shoulders. And that very often happens, but it doesn't happen every time. I've spoken with people who said, I forgave them, but I'm still going through this. They seem to be doing okay, but, but I'm still in a bad way. And even though I said, okay, I, I forgive them, it, it, didn't, it was very anticlimactic. It may f- continue to feel that way when we first forgive. But I promise you, the healing will come. Pain does not last forever. And there may be times during this process where God advances us forward more than we could have done ourselves. There may be times when we come to an altar and we say, God, I cannot cannot go any further. I'm dealing with this pain. I'm dealing with this hurt. And you're going to have to do something to me, God because I'm about to have a breakdown. God, I'm I'm on the edge right now. And I promise you, if what we need is a miracle from God, is a heart change through through the peace of God, through the power of God, then God will give that to us, even if we have to continue to go through that process. And there will come a time. There will come a time. I don't know how long it would be. Perhaps months, perhaps years. I wish I had an answer. But there is no one single answer. There will come a time if we have grieved properly and if we have forgiven that that pain will go away. Now, sometimes when we lose a loved one, there's such a dichotomy when it comes to pain over losing, losing a loved one 
and that, you know, even 10 years later, after, you know, my father's passing, sometimes I'll listen to some, a song or a sermon, and sometimes it's just nice to listen to, but sometimes I feel the pain almost like I felt it back then, and, and, in, a, and in a strange way, I, I almost long for those moments, because even though I'm feeling that pain, I, I seem to feel him again. But that is not part of the grieving process. That's just part of the, the human condition. But the pain that we feel, you can go ahead and come. You can stand with me. The pain that we feel is not permanent. I know that we want it to leave. I know that sometimes it is so great, the sadness or the depression or the anger that we feel feels so intense, we might just feel like this, this is where I am from now on. I've been changed by this. I've been, my, my mind is altered. It has been rewired. I now can no longer feel the happiness that I once did. I no longer can feel the peace that I once did. My friend, that is an emotion tied with a lie from the enemy. Now, I don't believe the devil could just make us angry and make us feel emotions whenever he wants to. But whenever we do feel something, he will use that opportunity. He will use that opportunity. And if we give any indication that we feel justified in our anger or our bad behavior or the things that, that we are doing, our bitterness, the enemy knows how to attach to that. The enemy knows how to send somebody our way to say, that's right, you tell it how it is. I, I love everybody, but if, if someone posts something that has to do with, with unforgiveness, and they a lot of times they'll get a lot of comments, that's right, you, you tell it like it is. Oh, uh, I want to share this. It, you know, snooze for 30 days. That's usually my response, you know, this, this person, because I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. And it is unfortunate that we now have in our world a new means of feeling more justified in our bitterness. Comments, likes, people we talk to, that never overrides the Word of God. And if we are feeling a sense of ill will towards someone else, that is not God's will. If we revel in that ill will, that's when it becomes sin. But if we feel that sense of ill will and we say, God, I need you to help me with this, He may help you right away, and He may help us long term. Again, I thank God for the miracles. Don't ever miss out on a miracle. I am so glad. I'm so glad that our pastor's daughter didn't miss out on that miracle. First thing I did when I saw her, I gave her a hug, and I start, started to, she could, I wouldn't make any noise, but I was starting to shake a little bit. She said, don't start crying, you'll make me cry. We can't miss out on those times. But if God says you need to go through a process, then you thank God for it, because that process is every bit as powerful and as valuable as a miracle because in the process we learn something. There's things that can be gained in miracles that cannot be gained in process and there's things in process that cannot be gained in miracles. Embrace the process. If pastor genuinely made a mistake, now as far as I know he's perfect, he's flawless, if he's done anything wrong I won't know anything about it. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm smart enough to know that our pastor is, is a man. The ministry of this church are people. I are a people. But 
let each other be people. Let's let each other get it wrong sometimes. Let's let each other make a mistake. Come on. She's had to let me get it wrong sometimes, sitting right there. I, I said it before, I got to say it again because it's such a good illustration. You know how it is when you're driving with your kids, they're in the back seat and they're, they're acting a fool and you, you got to keep driving. So you just put your hand back there and just start slapping whatever you can reach for you. That's how she feels sometimes. Shannon, stop it, stop it, stop it right now. And she, you know, she's had to let me get it wrong a few times. I've had to let my brothers and sisters get it wrong a few times, and I'm going to do it again. Sometimes we get it wrong in a big way. But we can get through that, even if there's no apology come on, come on, or resolution come on. made. Yes. We can forgive. I don't believe, I don't really believe that there's anybody here that, that genuinely has a, has a nasty attitude. But if you haven't faced what I'm talking about, just keep existing. We will. We will do it. And if we can make things right between someone and go back to the way that the relationship was, that's fine. If we can make things right and maybe never be as close, that's, that's tragic. But we can do that also. Let's lift our hands and thank God for His healing power. Can we do that right now? Thank you, Jesus.